Yeah, I mean, I always think about, you know, pieces that I didn't like as a young person, and then I heard them 10 years later, and I thought, oh, this is great. You know, what was I thinking? I'm Brian Paris with Sounds of Berkeley. Depending on your tastes, the words avant-garde jazz might raise a cautious eyebrow. But if you listen to Berkeley's own Chris Davis talk about, quote-unquote, difficult music, you'll hear a very different response. Hi, my name's Chris Davis. I'm a pianist and composer, and I'm also the Associate Program Director of Creative Development for the Jazz and Gender Justice Institute. Davis grew up in Alberta, Canada, and came to jazz early. In high school, she's transcribing tunes by Herbie Hancock and Keith Jarrett. And then around 2001, she moves to New York City, and she gets plugged into a community of musicians who are exploring the intersections between composing and improvising, and something clicks. Since then, she's pretty much put out an album a year. In fall 2019, she released Diatom Ribbons, which made end-of-year lists in places such as NPR and Pop Matters. The New York Times named it the best jazz album of 2019. At the end of this episode, we'll play the song Corn Crake from Diatom Ribbons, and you'll hear how it brought together turntables, improvisation, and the actual voice of French avant-garde composer Olivier Messiaen. But before that, Chris talks about the curiosity that drives her music in general. You know, I've always been curious about music that I didn't understand fully. So, um, you know, uh, I would just go deeper into trying to understand. And some of that was contemporary classical music. So I'd get scores and, and learn the music. Um, Ligeti, Berio, these are some of the, Morton Feldman, some of the composers um, that I was interested, you know, early on um, in my compositional and improvisational development. Um, so I'd you know, practice their music. And then I thought like, well, what can I take from this to help um, foster my own ideas in, in improvisation and composition? And I found that um, some of their language uh, helped to solve some of the problems that I was, uh, you know, having to <laughs> figure out how to solve myself. Um, like, for instance, uh, playing free improvisation um, as a as a pianist or a guitarist, um, you know, you're a harmonic instrument first. And so, uh, when you're playing free improvisation, you don't necessarily know which direction um, the harmonic movement is going. And um, I didn't like the fact that, you know, as a pianist, I seem to always be directing that and asking everyone else to come to me in terms of that kind of movement. So I was trying to figure out how I could um, be more collective about the decision-making process in terms of a harmonic development in a free, improvis- in a pr- free improvisation section. She found that collective when she moved to New York City after college, and it was there that she experienced something of a turning point. When I went to the BAMP Center for the Arts in 2000, um, there was a kind of a focus on free improvisation, and that's where I met people like Tony Malaby and Angelica Sanchez. Um, and they just seemed like they had such a clear direction, and um, they understood the music so deeply. There was something going on that you know I couldn't quite grasp, um, but I could see their their passion and that there was like a clear intention behind what they were doing. Um, so I moved to New York a year later and uh, called Tony, and you know he's he said, "Come on over, like let's <laughs> let's play." So we would go and. You know, other other musicians that were interested in learning more about free improvisation um, were there as well. And we just play all day and then, you know, hang out and eat beans and rice and like listen to music. And, you know, it was like an all day event. So um, I'm really grateful for those times, uh, his mentorship. And um, I learned a lot from him on terms of how to incorporate um, composition and free improvisation. And also through composition, um, 
I developed a, my own personal language um, through drawing from systems in classical music, um, these sorts of things. So that's kind of how it all <laughs> began in a way was when I moved to New York. Um, but I just found that, you know, there's a very supportive community also around this music. Um, and I just, you know, one step at a time, like met more and more people who were interested in doing this. That's when I met Taishan Sori and Ingrid Laubrock and we started the trio Paradoxical Frog. Um, and yeah, there's just, you know, that's, that's the kind of the community that I fell into um, and learned a lot from. But back to this idea of difficult music. There's something interesting about the way Davis thinks about pieces that she doesn't connect with or, or maybe doesn't fully understand on a first listen. What if it's not about whether we like or dislike something? Yeah, I mean, I always think about, you know, pieces that I didn't like as a young person. And then I heard them 10 years later and I thought, oh, this is great. You know, what was I thinking? <laughs> so I always reflect on that if there's something, you know, that I don't like or, um, you know, I try not to put too much emphasis on that idea of like or dislike. Um, there's something about it for myself that I'm drawn to, um, and I can't explain it. And so I want to go deeper into that and, uh, and try to explore and learn as much as I can. Um, and you know, I, I mean, our, our ears just get bigger as we listen to more music, as we expose ourselves to different things and, and as we're open to allowing those things to kind of wash over our, our ideas and, you know, our, our own, um, kind of ideas about the music and, and what we want to bring to the music. So, you know, that's, that part's been a really important um, part of the process. It's, it's everything, in a way, just to, to be checking out different things. Take the song Corncrake off Diatom Ribbons. Definitely the kind of song that makes your ears bigger. What with Chris's otherworldly piano chords, Terry Lynn Carrington's simmering drums, and the archival French audio samples tweaked through Valgenti's turntables. It's a combination of sounds that began as a free improvisational performance the three took part in. Terry and Val Genti and I played an improvised concert at the Stone. Um, I guess it was almost two years ago now. And um, that was, I think that was Terry's first time playing a whole improvised set of music. At least that's what she told me. <laughs> um, but so many things came from that. You know, I didn't really know uh, how Val would function, um, what her part would be in that uh, in that situation. And she just, she, she's like a soloist, you know, she's like, she has a real improviser's mentality. So she can be the soloist, but she can also be, um, part of the background, you know, part of the fabric of, of what's happening. So that was really the inspiration, um, for this piece. And then, you know, I've just, I was practicing a lot of the Messiaen bird call pieces at the time and thinking about, um, how can I incorporate some of that harmonic language and ideas um, and also uh, bring in his his voice like I was uh, going through a lot of clips for Val um, things that she could use for the project that she could draw on and and I didn't have a lot of um, direction in that I mean there's a few things but this one I did want uh, want her to use Messian's voice so she you know kind of picked out different things and and used them in the clip What's interesting is that Val manipulates the sample in Messian in a way that mirrors what Chris is doing on piano, which itself echoes Messian's style. The use of the samples, then, is more about the way they sound than it is about whatever the composer's saying about bird calls. For this specific track, um, because I don't speak French, I was really hearing Messian's voice as another instrument um, in that context. 
in the clips, he's talking about um, the birds that he's uh, listened to and their calls and how he's emulated that sound um, on the piano. So there's a there's a nice uh, clip on YouTube of you know the translation of what he's saying and uh, and then the piano part that goes with that and how he creates that on the instrument. And now here's Corncrake by Chris Davis, featuring her Berkeley Institute of Jazz and Gender Justice colleagues Val Genty on turntables and Terry Lynn Carrington on drums.
You can listen to Diatom Ribbons on all major streaming platforms. And you can learn more about Chris's work with Berkeley's Institute of Jazz and Gender Justice at berkeley.edu slash jazz-gender-justice. This episode is recorded by Tony Brown in partnership with The Burn, co-produced by John Mirasola, and edited by Brandon Bachajan. Our theme music is You Made Me by Sleeping Lion. This episode wraps up the 2019 season for us at Sounds of Berkeley, and we'd like to take this time to wish you all a happy holiday season. We'll be back in January. I'm Brian Paris, and this is Sounds of Berkeley. <laughs>